your weekend variety wireless. On Radio Live with Mike Pudu. In for Graham Hill. to you as Radio Live 6 past 8. Mike Puto in for Graham Hill. What an honour, what a pleasure. So nice to have your company. Graham Hill, as I said last night, big shoes to fill. That guy, his mind works in very mysterious ways and I am nowhere near that level of intellect. But I love a good conversation and I love what we're about to cover tonight. It is, of course, Sunday. Uh, so coming up a little later on, we're going to be playing for you because it is the anniversary of the crew murders. We're going to be replaying the interview that Graham Hill did with Keith Hunter uh, a while back. It's a fascinating listen. You listen to the evidence, you listen to the phone calls, and I think they even get a phone call that points to new evidence. So you've got to stick around and listen to that. That's happening between 10 and 11. The Outsiders with Jared Hindmarsh between 11 and 12. Apparently we've found some lost episodes, which is fantastic. The Russians coming to New Zealand in 1820, apparently on a mission to find some artefacts for the museum. So you can imagine what it was like for Russians arriving here in 1820. How crazy is that? So that's coming up a little later on but before that of course it is mediastic time with tamar evening tamar how are you i'm very well i was debating how to say your last name because i've known you for years i've never actually had to say your I last know. name in an official introduction capacity that's because i'm always behind the scenes mm. not in front of the scenes I, I i answer to anything to be fair what do you get the most common munch is the most common <laughs> I knew it. from new zealanders yes uh munk for people who are fans of edvard yes as in the scream artist okay yes so if, yes. if people know edvard munk i get edvard a munk, munk. Um, yes. and and then for people who maybe are German speakers, I do get Munch, which is the more correct pronunciation. Munch. Yeah. Okay, good. No, because I was going with Munch for a while <laughs> there, but I knew that was wrong. <laughs> I do get Munchkin, Munchy, Munchkin, all sorts of things like that. That's the that's the punishment for being five foot as well, though. So. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, you and I have known each other for years. You used to bring Shortland Street stars to my I did, uh, radio I did. station. Exactly. I think that's where I first met you, yep. and now you've just branched off and done your own thing exceptionally well, I must admit. Um, are you enjoying life at the I moment? I am, I am. It's very good. And how long have you been doing Graham Hill's Media Stick oh, for? Oh, look, it's, it must be a couple of years now. To okay. be honest, okay. I've, I've lost count. I see count. you in Graham Hill's mind. Well, that's exactly right. Because I asked Max Cryer last night, how long have you been doing this for? He goes, oh, 22 years. <laughs> I thought, wow, I don't think Radio Live's been around for 22 years, <laughs> but it has. Um, yeah, okay, cool. So you, you talk all things media. Um, very soon we're going to get into what we're talking about, but I love talking about media, and I'm a little nervous tonight because I work in you know certain sectors of the media industry, and I'm very reserved and, and what I think because I, I don't want to upset people and I don't want to be completely honest about what I feel and think of certain TV shows I know, you've, shows got, you've got to YouTube think channels. about your future work prospects, don't you? That's, well, that's, well, not just that, just the people you bump into <laughs> Yeah, that's well. true, that's true. But because it's you... 
because it's the weekend variety wireless, I'm up for the challenge. Okay, good. good, I, am, good. I am going to be making sure that I'm going to be 100% honest. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a break. We'll get back into it. Media Stick next here on Radio Live. This is the Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. I have a lot of fight left in me. I'm not breaking down. The New Zealand Herald published a smear by TV blogger Paul Cassidy. The blogger is obviously emotionally disturbed. We will never feel safe again. Welcome to Media Stick with Tamar Munch. Uh, it is 13 past 8. This is where we talk all things media. And, of course, the media landscape has changed a lot over the years. So we don't just talk about TV shows. There's YouTube clips. There's Twitter accounts. There's everything media that happens. There's all, all things you can think of under the sun these days. We're going to start off by talking about Heartbreak Island. <gasps> Shock horror. A lot of the audience probably thinking, what? Heartbreak Island? Are you going to talk about that? But I think we need to address this. Uh, your take on Heartbreak Island. Well, look, I actually have to confess to not watching it. So I'll say that, say that up front. Um, but obviously it was the subject of a lot of media review, media speculation, um, and also a lot of complaints there was open letters to TVNZ off the back of this show um, from concerned parents who were watching it with their kids and decided that it wasn't appropriate viewing. I think, um, you know, I mean, look, I have seen bits of it and I, I get the gist. I don't think I needed to watch the entire episode or four episodes that have so far screened in the past <laughs> week to really get the gist of it. Gosh. Um, but... I think a couple of things. One, part of the outrage, I think, came from the fact that this it's an unusual show potentially for TVNZ and um, that, that that might be part of the issue with just a bit of shock, I think, from the audience. That what, the so, they're not, so they weren't used to it? That the state broadcaster would put this on. Oh, well, well, actually, that was my first thought. I actually thought, what is the state broadcaster thinking? Because when I started watching that show, and I watched it because two of my friends are hosting it, you know, Mark Dime, Matilda Rice, and as a fellow broadcaster, you always want to see how they go. Yep. Um, you know people, I know people that were involved in the casting, that were involved in the filming, that were involved in the entire making, so I wanted to watch it, but that's the first thought that ran through my head. I thought, uh, come on, it's not didn't feel like a state broadcaster show. Yeah, but TVNZ have an objective to get commercial ratings, don't a they? Absolutely, and TVNZ two in particular is very much a you know their target demographic is a young audience. Um, it's very commercial and it fits within the mandate. Also, uh, you know, survivors on the same channel. Um, Love Island plays on on demand and is hugely popular. And my understanding of, of Heartbreak Island is that it's like a hybrid of Love Island crossed with Survivor, basically. Yes, yeah, true, So true. it makes sense for the brand that they would... Oh, no, and I totally agree with you. I think that they had to, you know, perhaps delve into that, you know, love genre because everyone else was doing it, TV3. It's the international yeah. hot, hot thing is the relationship reality series. The Bachelor, Married at First Sight all of that type of stuff, and Love Island, which has been hugely popular. Mm. It seemed like a natural progression in that genre. We've been through cooking shows. Yes. You know. God, we've, yes. We've been, th we're, we're still in, in home reno land, I think, with, with home reno shows, the block and all the rest of it coming back. You know, 
I think that it is just the next of these genres that is part of the mix. Right, and you and I, you know, they have to take risks every now and again. But I think people were probably appalled at the the bluntness of the TV show, where you've got these beautiful people standing there, like Tinder, they swipe left or swipe right based on a simple look at a picture. Yep. Instead, you're looking at it in real life. So people were a little taken aback by that. But I think what most people were taken aback by was, um, I guess, the harshness of it being actually played at 7.30 yeah. on a TV channel in New Zealand that was a state broadcaster. And in essence that it was, at, in especially that first episode, which a lot of people were, were obviously giving a bit of a test run, you know, to see what the show was like, it, it was played as a popularity contest. Mm, yeah, no, you're a, right. A, outright popularity contest. And in, the, in this age where, you know, bullying is an issue, social media bullying is an issue, all of that sort of thing, I think that that can be a bit of a confronting issue. Well, and we've talked a lot too about, you know, I guess the Me Too movement in the last year. A lot of females have come to prominence in terms of, you know, being independent, looking after themselves, not taking bullshit from people, yeah. to put it bluntly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's the show on TV <laughs> which is basically showing everything opposite to what they've been fighting for for years. Yeah. So to be involved with that process was a little harsh for people like Matilda Rice. Well, that's right. And so what I thought was particularly interesting was that she came out the next day, morning, um, with um, a, an Instagram story basically just saying that she'd been inundated with complaints or a barrage of hate, I think, was actually the phrase that she used. Let's take a wee listen to what Matilda Rice had to say the next day after she had received, well, some abuse. I've been absolutely inundated with um, messages and comments and tweets telling me I'm a bad person, so... But I think um, people need to understand that, that I was doing a job, like I was there contracted and paid to do a job. Um, and I did that job. And just the absolute barrage of um, hate I, I got on social media last night and, and today um, was like awful. I felt like shit. I felt like absolute shit. Um, and then, so I had the, because I put a post up saying um, Heartbreak Island is on in 15 minutes, debrief below in the comment section. Um, and I got a whole bunch of comments um, telling me that I was an asshole, basically. So then I deleted that post because I felt so anxious, like I couldn't even get to sleep. I just felt awful. And so I deleted it. And then I wake up to a whole bunch of messages saying that I've done the wrong thing and that that's wrong too. Uh, that was Matilda Rice responding to criticism that people were posting on her social media platforms about why she would involve herself in a TV show. And as she said, she was contracted to do the job. And can I just say that when you're starting off in your television career and somebody comes to you and says, would you like to for, uh, front a TV show that's going to be on prime time on TV too? You don't really turn it down. You're not going to say no, no are you? No. And also, I mean, I think one of the things that struck me, and it's, I think you and I are probably in a good place to discuss this, Mike, in a way because you've been in that position. Mm -hmm. And I also, one of the things I thought was that 
it was her first hosting role yes. in a primetime TV capacity. Her last TV experience, you know, everybody goes, oh, she's been on TV, she was on The Bachelor. Yes, she was a contestant. That's right. That was a very different beast, and she was able to be herself Self. to yes. a degree. And then everything else that she's done in the public eye since that experience on The Bachelor, she's been the... Um, producer or the creator That's of right. that content. Of her own content. So she's written a book that was her own book that she Which wrote. Which is ho- wholesome and, you know, lovely and, and, you know, very staunchly independent female doing her own thing. Absolutely. So and her I entire brand that she has portrayed to the public, I guess, when she stepped onto the Heartbreak Island, just went slap in the face of everything she'd done. Yeah, and I, look... It is that thing of now you're a professional TV host mm-hmm. and sometimes there's going to be stuff that you're in that in that circumstance that may not entirely gel with your personal brand. That's right. And I think that that was where there was a real disconnect, obviously, for the fans, mm. for her fans yeah. in particular. Mm. Cause it, and I think, and it comes back to that thing of social media as well. Social media just feels so very personal. She was obviously very hurt by what she was receiving from messages. That stuff can be so damaging, oh, yes. personally. Yes, well, let's just say I don't read what people say about me, because I'd be crying into my cup of tea each <laughs> night as well. Um, so, you know, if she's got a thick skin, she'll be fine. But you, you well, right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a reality TV show. You don't even know, you don't get a script for a reality TV show. It's not like choosing a movie role. Yeah. It's not like playing a character. That's right. You know, you go in there as the presenter. The first day on shoot, they basically come to you and they go, oh, well, here's what we need. I want you to say that this person's the least popular, so therefore they're going to the left. Um, I mean, and, and you just, as the presenter, you do that. So That's right. She probably was doing it thinking, oh, I don't know about this. this I hope this is going to to play out all right on TV. And, and it also didn't. it's one of those things where um, it's a, a reality show that is a new format. Mm-hmm. It's an original program as opposed to one of those international franchise shows like A Bachelor or A Married at First Sight or A Survivor where it comes with a Bible, it comes basically with a handbook. You yes. know exactly yep. the play-by-play of how the each episode is going to go. This is an unknown quantity. So, sh- so both she and Mark and even the contestants who signed up would have broadly known the known what the show was about. Roughly, yes. They wouldn't have known the ins and outs no. in any great depth. Because when we were doing The Bachelor, we had somebody from the franchise uh, from the UK fly over and yeah. just keep an eye on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And know? I know they do that with Dancing with the Stars and all the rest of it. That's just the way those... I mean, it's basically like a McDonald's or a Burger King or something like that. It's just the TV version of a franchise format. I know? reckon four nights a week, those too much. Um, the uncut version apparently is not that uncut in terms of, you know, it doesn't offer... It's not that saucy. Not that saucy, which is a bit of a letdown. Um, <laughs> I, you know, probably not a show I'll get into. I watched it out of curiosity because I'm a media man. Uh, I see Mark Dye posting regularly about how many viewers it gets, uh, which is all subjective, isn't it? But uh, will the show survive, you think, on TVNZ? I think... Will they run the whole thing out or will they start shortening it down no, doing double episodes? No, I think episodes? they will run it out. I think that there's enough that's been invested in it that they will definitely run it out to the end and they'll stick with it. Okay, good. Any final thoughts on Heartbreak Islands? Oh, look, 
We'll see. It could get worse from here. Who knows? Maybe we haven't seen the end of it. Yeah, you know, the worst of it yet. It's just TV, folks. Chill it out. Is. Take a chill pill, as Art Green said the next day. It's just TV, Exactly folks. right. It's not brain surgery. No one's dying. Oh, I don't know. But anyway, it's 24 past eight. It's Media Stick with Tamar. We're going to talk about the propaganda video that uh, Trump released pre-summit. Oh. Wasn't that a piece of work? Um, we're also going to put that online for you too. And also the case of the poo jogger in Australia <laughs> is coming up. But I want to touch now before we take another break on WhatsApp becoming essentially a murder app in India. Yeah, this, this is, is a, this amazing. Is scary. And, and again, you know, this is this, I guess it goes back to social media can be used as a tool for good and equally it can be used as a tool for criminal activity in essence so um, this is a, basically a spate of murders that have been happening through India the latest one was earlier this week oh sorry the latest one was in the last few weeks but there was arrests that took place earlier this week two guys got killed by a, an angry mob in essence and the reason for it is that there's this video circulating on whatsapp which is a social media messaging platform really popular i mean some people use it in new zealand but i know mm. that friends overseas in india in particular That's i've traveled big. in india and you know you your taxi driver if you booked a driver they will whatsapp you before they text you i mean that's just the 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 platform that everybody uses so there's been this video circulating of a child being abducted and it's basically got people up in arms and there's two guys on you know there's been two guys who've been identified as these kind of child abductors um and two men in um an area called assam were stopped or stopped to ask directions and basically looked like, like the guys in the video. These guys in this video and that got got killed by an angry mob. That and is insane, isn't it? Isn't it crazy? And so and this is not the first murder that has happened off the back of this video. Now the video itself is not even been shot in India. It's not even a real child just, abduction. I was gonna say, is it real? No. It's not even the real right. thing. So I think it's it's actually an educational video that was shot for, oh. in Pakistan or oh, something this is like terrible. that. So it's this absolute Chinese whispers situation where it's got to people who are basically taking out vigilante justice of their own accord. Mm -hmm. And the police are trying to shut down the service the messaging service to prevent the yeah, yeah. Or to stop that video from circulating and it's like how do you stop that's the floodgates have gone right mm. how do you stop this stuff so then it's a conversation about well don't believe everything you see on social media that's true which is of course common sense would dictate that but if there's impassioned kind of we've got to get these guys mentality going on that can be quite a hard thing to prevent. Well, you've got a mob mentality that's being bred by a false video and mm -hmm. they don't have, I guess, the systems in place to let people know that that's not true, so therefore they want to take justice into their own hands. It's, it's a compounding effect because the reality is, as we all know, I just asked those that have sex tapes out there, you can't stop those videos. Yeah. And it's a lesson for everybody, I guess, that you've got to be really careful what you post online. Yeah. Because you can, for a laugh, post something. But if it's going to... I mean, these people have died. They've been murdered yeah. by a mob who have mistaken them for these two guys that are supposed kidnappers. It's That's preposterous. Crazy. Isn't it? It's absolutely preposterous. And oh. the idea that this could... 
it is something that could happen in any territory, mm-hmm. I think, you know, and maybe not to this extent. And certainly I've seen things on Facebook where somebody posts a video. In fact, there was one... Um, it's penguins living on a plastic, an island of plastic, plastic in the yes, sea. Yes. I don't know if you've seen that on Facebook. Mm. It's been shared around. Yes. It was a, it's a photo that's been created oh, by no someone to, to illustrate the oh. issue of, uh, you know, disposable plastic. Right. But everybody's sharing it. Like, isn't it tragic that these penguins <sighs> are living on this island of plastic? <laughs> oh, no. The, the idea behind the image was a was a good one. It was a photographer or an artist's interpretation of an issue yeah, that's a, a really statement. important one. Yes. It then gets circulated as absolute 100% fact. Oh, goodness. And it's like, how do you stop this stuff? We need fact-checking on everything. Everything, you know? I know. Well, speaking of fact-checking, a man that doesn't do a lot of that, Donald Trump, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, I guess last week, for a lot of people, was looking like the hero. But there was an interesting piece after the press conference, and I sat and watched this press conference after the supposed summit just to see how Trump was feeling and looking and what he was going to say. The more I watched it, the more I was thinking, just be quiet, just take the moment and be quiet. But then in the press conference, (laughs) one of the reporters asked him about this video that they had played to the media just before they had the press conference. So I was frantically searching for it, thinking, I don't know what this video is. Tamar has found it. I've finally seen it. Can't believe it. If you haven't seen it, we'll put it on our website, but we will discuss this next. (laughs) Honestly, this is the craziest thing that I've seen in the last week, and we'll share that with you next. It's Media Stick on Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless. Mike Pudu filling in for Graham. It's 8.30. You're tuned in to the Weekend Variety Wireless. It's Radio Live, it is 27 to 9 on your Sunday evening. Mike Puddy filling in for Graham Hill and we're talking media. It's Media Stick with Tamar. Great to have you in the studio, Tamar. The Trump propaganda video. Would that be the right way to describe it? Would you describe it as a propaganda video? Uh, Look, it's about as close to a propaganda video as one can find, I think. I mean... He is a propagandist. Let's not deny that. He, you know, he's a reality TV star. We've just been talking about reality TV. He is a reality. Yes, you're right. You know, but I had it's a movie trailer. Is what it is. It's a movie trailer. He loves it, doesn't he? He loves it. He loves it. I tell you what, we'll play a little bit for you. You can see the whole trailer online at radiolive.co.nz a little later on. But just to give you a a sample, I guess, of the ridiculousness of this video, have a listen to this. Destiny Pictures presents a story of opportunity. A new story. A new beginning. One of peace. Two men. Two leaders. One destiny. A story about a special moment in time when a man is presented with one chance that may never be repeated. Ah. What will he choose? To show vision and leadership? What will he choose? Or not? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. It's quite... There can only be two results. 
what do you reckon? It's quite... Well, I was going to say it's, it's like quite, one of those action movies from the 90s, yeah, isn't yeah. it? You know, one of those where they have to sort of blow the mis- blow an asteroid up with a missile or something like that in space. What was that one? Armageddon or one yes, of those? Yes, Armageddon. It feels like that. It was just the most bizarre thing I have seen. So you could imagine that Trump was playing this, I think, to, to, well, to Kim Jong-un's people, wasn't he? He, he played it to Kim Jong on on an iPad <laughs> apparently at the start of the meeting, but it was also played to the two and a half thousand media who had gathered in Singapore for this summit. To whip them into a frenzy. Can you imagine being one of the two and a half thousand media (laughs) sitting in whatever you're sitting in, I don't know, and watching this bloody thing play out? I mean, honestly, can you imagine the laughter? I mean, seriously. (laughs) You would have felt that you're at a movie premiere, that you're about to see something, you know, that was false. And, you know, a lot of people would say that that summit perhaps was false. Uh, There's been some great analysis of this video online, hasn't there? And you've managed to find a few people that have analysed this for us. Do you think it was a wise thing for him to play this video to the media? Look, to the media, I don't know. I I think that it was always going to be up for ridicule. I mean, I saw, um, I think it was Stephen Colbert on The Late Show, um, he he said that there were five sunrises in this video. There's something like, it's just ridiculous. It's one of those things where it's sort of, you know, it's just a whole lot of kind of, scenes of progress and bullet trains and buildings and people wearing, um, I think there were two shots of people wearing VR goggles and stuff. It's, it's uh, to be honest, from a technical point of view, you could have got a better editor to do it. Right, okay. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, de- okay, I'll give you that. You know, but it was I called think Dest- that... It was called Destiny's Pictures Presents and there's a company in America called oh, Destiny's Pictures. And they're and very they- quickly on Twitter <laughs> and trying to distancing themselves. Oh, apparently, apparently the poor guy that, that heads up this company woke up to hundreds of emails. <laughs> that, going, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? So they're trying to go, it's not us, it's not us. Destiny Pictures is just a name that was chosen, chosen by the State Department to, to put on the front of this um, trailer. Which is fitting when you see the trailer because it is about, you know, I guess what would happen if these two powers came together, what a beautiful world we'd live in, we'd have all the, uh, you know... We'd, we'd it have was all about progress and future yes, and prosperity Koreans and all expertise that. and Americans' expertise combined together and we'd all live in one happy unified world, yeah. skipping hallelujah as we dance <laughs> down the wall. Um, not so quite, not, not quite so the, uh, the truth when you put it to people nowadays, but the analysis, should we play a of the clip from yeah, the guy yeah, yeah. that was, uh, was analyzing the video. It was a movie trailer, as all the press is calling it, and it was in the context so over the top. It was compared by some journalists to a promotional for real estate in terms of Donald Trump's uh, business career. Can history be changed? The press apparently first thought it was a North Korean propaganda film, and yet it turned out it was produced in the United States by the Trump administration. Of the back-to-back summits, the G7 meeting in Canada and the subsequent bilateral in Singapore, the images that will endure are these, still photographs. There was the symbolism contained in the Trump-Kim handshake and the potentially seismic shift that such an image conveys. That came on the heels of a shot that appeared on the Instagram account of the German Chancellor, Angela Merkel, one that Berlin would not have sent out lightly. It captures the unraveling of the G7 trade talks and the body language seems to say it all. Even if you're not in Trump land, 
Uh, images matter a lot in international politics. But what we see with the Merkel picture is it shows her appearing to stare down Donald Trump, who is in his characteristic, you know, arms crossed, looking slightly petulant way. Uh, and immediately critics of President Trump say this is President Trump isolated, and so it feeds into that pre-existing narrative. For his supporters, right, it looked, well, this is how America should be with every other leader uh, gathered around it. So again, a sign of American strength, status, and position in the dominance hierarchy. The G7, don't forget that there were four different points of view that we know. The famous photo was the German photo. There was also a French official photo, a Japanese official photo, and a Canadian official photo. Different points of view of the same meeting. So, that epitomizes the trade war, essentially. And the handshake is a handshake, but it's an eager handshake. The handshake is better seen through the video than the photograph, because it was far more than a perfunctory or even normal handshake. And the symbolic meaning of a 13-second handshake in this visual form is the establishment of a physical and therefore a personal bond between the two leaders. So the first image is one of uh, alienation, opposition, and even international condemnation of Trump. The second is Trump claiming that he has, in a sense, made peace in the very first gesture of the summit. So that's the analysis of the Trump video from some very clever people overseas. And they are so right in the way that I guess the images that we see through photos, mm. the images that we see online, really shift people's thoughts and they help form a perception of somebody that perhaps isn't true. Uh, but it's so powerful what media can do. And it, maybe Trump was tapping into this by showing that propaganda video. Well, that's the thing. I think he is a very savvy player when it comes to the media and as much as he you know he he calls out fake news and all the rest of it and he's you know he's got his issues with the media but he does know how to play the game mm. and i also think he does you know kim jong-un is a dictator let's put it that way he, he's not going to have anybody telling him no i'm sure he's grown up for as the child of the former leader, you know, the, his father having yes. led the country as well, he would have been the little prince. And to play a video that sort of makes them both the heroes of the story yes. was actually probably quite a clever move on Trump's part because it would be, it, it's blowing smoke up. Kim Jong-un, really, and that's probably a good way to start things off. Oh, yeah, mate. With somebody guy, who's... Oh, yeah, who's, a play to his ego. Absolutely. Yes. And let's face it, they're both egomaniacs. Mm. Um, one it was a very potentially Ameri more murderous, <laughs> murderously than the other. But, but it was a... Yeah, it just... I think it probably... It's weird diplomacy. It's not diplomacy that we're used to. That's right. But it's not to say that it's the wrong move. Well, no, and I've often thought that with Trump and his whole presidency. Sometimes the conventional hasn't worked, so you go a little unconventional, you may get the ball rolling. And we we, we sometimes overanalyse that, I think. Yeah. We give the guy a hard time for it. What he was essentially doing was a very American way of showing Kim Jong-un that this is the way the world could be. Yes. And it was a very American thing to do by putting it in the form of a movie 
trailer. Yeah. But kind of missed the mark slightly, didn't it? it? Yeah, it did. It Just did. Just kind of missed the mark. Uh, yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah. And speaking of dictators, there was a Fox News Oh, this is a little slip-up from Fox News, which was quite a funny one. Yes, worth just playing out. I think it speaks for itself. There is there the is. President of the United States, Donald Trump, about to walk down those stairs, stepping foot in Singapore as we await this historic summit with the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. Anthony, talk to us about this moment. I mean, this is history. We are living, regardless of what happens in that meeting between the two dictators, what we are seeing right now, <laughs> this is history. <laughs> uh, meeting between two dictators. She did come back very quickly after that after that little break, and she apologised profusely. The funny thing was... Because she was Fox News. Would, she wouldn't want to upset him. Well, that's the thing. It would have been Fox News that it's the, it, that's his channel of choice, that's right? The one he loves. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, look, if you want more on Trump, John Divbig came in before, um, and he gave me his list of what he's talking about. Best buddies, Pinocchio, Killing America, Word of the Week, and Rotten to the Core. Those are his subjects, and you know what he is like with John, uh, with uh, Donald Trump, so I'm sure that we're going to have a bit of a yelling match going on a little <laughs> later on. He would have loved listening to that um, chat about Trump. You know, I mean... what. Do you, uh, with the media the way it is nowadays, do you think that he will be around for term two tomorrow? I know I'm getting a bit political here, oh, but look, the media's played a big part. Yeah, in, and in his approval yeah. rating in America is up. Right. Um, I think that there are, you know, America is a divided country, and I think that there are people who are supportive of him, regardless of what he does. Almost in spite of what he does, he has supporters now. And I think that... Uh, <sighs> You know, we'd all like to think that, no, he won't make it. And and potentially, you know, if Michael Cohen, who's his former lawyer, goes down for his nefarious activities and all the rest of it. I mean, Paul Manafort, who's his former campaign manager, yes. has just been um, jailed this week. There's a whole lot of stuff around him that seems to be imploding. It doesn't feel like it's a particularly stable environment for him to go into a second term, that's for sure. But... Would none of us thought that he'd be here in the first place. So. And uh, they've got midterms coming up. Yeah. So if he can survive midterms, I guess, yeah. then uh, you just never know what's going to And I think happen. that doing stuff like this, you know, he is the first American president oh. to meet with the leader of North Korea. And I watched with fascination. I flicked on the channels and every single network was carrying that press conference yep. after that meeting. You could not escape it. And I thought, what a powerful position to yep. be in. I mean, I don't follow American politics a lot, but you can't ignore it when it's been broadcast on every single channel because you're like, well, this is a world event that yeah. I'm going to have to sit back and watch. I mean, I do think, and in, in, in that clip that we played before with those media analysts, you know, I think his behaviour at the G7 earlier in the week where he was like a petulant child that stormed out yes. and all the rest of it and basically dissed all the allies. Yes. Um, all the rest had of it. Had a crack at Trudeau. Had a know. crack at Trudeau. Yep. Trade is just out the window, all of that. And then he makes friends with the dictator that's running a, you know, basically mm. fascist re regime over on the on the other side. That does seem to be a bit incongruous for an American president to be behaving like that. Mm -hmm. 
but us? his supporters yes. are still, <laughs> you know, cheering for him. And it's still a two-party race over there, unfortunately, you know. Oh, Maybe they goodness. need MMP. Hey, oh, God. <laughs> it's 14 to 9. It's Radio Live Media Stick with Tamar Munch. And we are back in just a minute with the very curious case of the poo jogger in Australia. You do not want to miss this. This is the Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. I have a lot of fight left in me. I'm not breaking down. The New Zealand Herald published a smear by TV blogger Paul Casserly. The blogger is obviously emotionally disturbed. We will never feel safe again. Oh, sorry, having a cup of tea. It's 11 to 9. It's Radio Live. It ended a lot faster than I thought. Now, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the unusual case of the poo jogger in Australia. Tamar, give us the, give us the brief on this, please. So this is a case in Brisbane where over a number of months um, some residents have found some, uh, let's say, droppings. And <laughs> you can say poo, it's I all right. I can say poo. You can say poo. Um, which... which was human of the human variety and which is rather just distasteful oh yes very so unhygienic they no decide, one likes that you know i mean at least people pick up the doggy stuff um they decided to uh put uh some you know to actually start some surveillance of the area to catch the culprit so how long have they been doing this? How long have this been going on for? A few months, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was over a fair period of time, and they were just over it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as you would be. And also, obviously, it was happening overnight or wee hours of the morning. Pardon the pun, wee hours. You can't really say much at all when you're talking about this stuff, can you? <laughs> no. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> and so... You know, it was this sort of mysterious thing. And it wasn't a daily occurrence, but it was enough that it was a problem. Yes, and the media started talking about it, and then everybody in Australia was getting curious as to who the poo jogger was. And then basically this guy got busted. And Brisbane's infamous poo jogger has reportedly been identified as corporate high flyer Andrew McIntosh. He was arrested after residents at a Greenslopes unit block camped out with a camera to catch the person who was leaving unwanted deposits. Hello, I'm Paul Barry. Welcome to Media Watch. And the bizarre case of the Brisbane man who'd been repeatedly taking a dump outside an apartment block had journalists everywhere doubling over with excitement. This is the greatest story in Australia at the moment. He'd been doing this for months. Residents have been trying to catch him for months. He'd been called the jogger bogger. (laughs) 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 It's the best story ever, isn't it? 64-year-old McIntosh was caught on camera in a sting by residents who claimed he'd left a deposit up to 30 times outside their building. And, dropping the story on Thursday, the Courier Mail was the first of many to pull out the puns. Just poo it! High-flying exec exposed over cheeky morning dump run. Following up the next day with a two-page spread on how residents had got to the bottom of it all. Busted by the pooperazzi. <laughs> Over on 7 News in Brisbane, resident Steve was also giving us the backstory to the elaborate sting while keeping his identity hidden. It took a couple of weeks of being out each morning waiting. Finally snapping a clean image. That particular morning, um, I saw him run up the path. He was three minutes late. His reaction? Um, he just said, hello. Meanwhile, the so-called poo jogger, who's now been fined, humiliated and lost his job, was making headlines around the world. In the sun, the New York Post, which reported McIntosh had relieved himself of his duties, and the Washington Post, which noted his actions reeked of premeditation. 
And before long, he was the butt of many well-crafted TV gags as well. <laughs> Apparently, he just did it for shits and giggles. That's his new Tinder profile. <laughs> but not everyone was comfortable with the ridicule. It's a legitimate story, and I'm actually really disturbed by this story. Why? Because I think, it, is, it some, is there a is mental health condition? issue? Is, is there, there a some fetish? Sort of a yeah. Why do you feel you need to do this? The Studio 10 team was also concerned and chose not to identify the poo jogger at all. His life is essentially ruined oh. now. Does that fit... Does that punishment fit the crime? That no. humiliation, that stink will follow him for the rest of his life. But in the end, even they couldn't resist a poo joke. Where does he go from here, though? To the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so, does the poor man have a right to privacy? I don't think so given that he could so easily have done what others do and dropped his dax at home. And that was from the ABC's Media Watch. A brilliant take on a story which has fascinated Australia. Thank you, Tamar, for bringing that to our attention. <laughs> You've flushed out some really good stories oh, this week. thanks. Oh, look. I mean, I, I should have come armed with all... Yeah, exactly. We need, we need the hi-hat, the, the little drum roll, don't we? I should have come armed with all of the, the potential... Well, they, they covered a lot of them in that uh, they, brief. They really did. Find some more, some poo puns <laughs> with Mike Pooroo. <laughs> <laughs> I did think actually one of the interesting things. I mean, this guy, he is a senior executive, like mm. a high fly. He was a high flying corporate executive, mm -hmm. and I did actually think that um, one of those outlets talking it was the Channel Ten, I think, morning show concerns around. His mental well-being. His mental well-being and yes. naming somebody and shaming somebody. I mean, it's, he was. Oh, um, yeah. There were pap shots of him and his wife um, run after the fact, and they were. You know, he'd obviously lost his job by that stage, and they were. He's he's got a boat. They were out going out on their boat. His life, as he knew it, is over. Mm. Now, we don't know why he was doing what he was doing. Um, there has been, apparently, I did see the Daily Mail, the trusted bastion of all things yes. news, interviewed a clinical psychologist about why this, what what may have caused him to do this. And mm. the psychologist said that it is, for some people, it's a bit of a thrill-seeking activity and that the it's the kind of hit of adrenaline around getting away with it and something like, you know... Well, it's, it's like the George... That was the excuse George Michael used yep. for sex in the toilets. Yep. It was, you know, not because he was, you know, had urges all the time, but it was the, thrill, the thrill of getting away with it and the an anonymity of it. Exactly, exactly. And, you know... Well, that makes sense. For somebody like this guy who's obviously probably got quite a regimented kind of life at work and corporate. probably at home, living a very corporate lifestyle. This is a rule-breaking mm. activity, right? Yes, it's true. Because he probably walks around thinking that is, don't stink. <laughs> uh, so maybe you wanted to make a statement. Exactly. I mean, But you're so right about that. So when somebody is paparazzi like this and ridiculed in the media, that can have some devastating consequences, can't it? Absolutely. So where, does, it, where do you draw the line when it comes to privacy issues on And that? we can all laugh and make jokes and bring out the puns and all the rest of it, yeah. and that's all At well and good. At someone's expense. That's right. It, but we don't know what his mental health state is or what it could be, mm. and it could just be something like that that tips him over the edge. I mean, if he's lost his, you know, his income and his and his status yep. and within his community, mm -hmm. he's been 
exposed, for want of a better word. I mean, literally, the photo that was run on the front of the paper was him with his pants down. Yeah. You can't get much worse than that in terms of, you know, (laughs) naming and shaming. I shouldn't laugh because we're talking uh, seriously about it. I'm sorry. I mean, it is, but the thing is, it is, it is, funny and of course it's like fart jokes you know we're all three when it comes to yes. talking about poos and wees really I'm far more highbrow than that <laughs> I don't laugh at fart jokes anymore but I think that this is one of those things where I don't know I, I, sometimes I do get media can make me feel uncomfortable well you go right back to what we were discussing in the first part of the hour with the Indian WhatsApp app murders yes and where media can have some devastating effects exactly this is the same thing things can snowball Mm -hmm. out of control and and we don't know what is going to be the thing that can can send somebody tip somebody over the edge in terms of you know self-harm or or worse suicide which has been also in the in the news of of late and I think that there has to be some care taken around some of this stuff. And that is why we have the segment every week here at Radio Live on the Graham Hill Weekend Variety Wireless Media Stick where we dissect all things media we look at the funny side and we look at the serious side. Quickly before you go, have you seen the show Buying Blind on TV3? I have. Give it a try quite a fascinating concept. Yeah I thought it was a fascinating concept too would you give somebody your money and say, can't find a house, you go and sort it out yeah, for me? Your life savings. I Could mean, be a business in that, New Zealand. It's quite amazing. It's basically like matchmaking for yes. houses, yeah, isn't no, it? No, quite, quite a good watch. I watched it the other night, thought yeah. it was quite a good watch. Uh, what else have, has got me excited this week on television? Not much, really. The Handmaidens. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the other thing that everybody's watching, which I have watched uh, previously but did catch up on the, the new episodes, is The Staircase on Netflix, which okay. is a true life true crime uh, documentary series um, was uh, a, there was an originally eight episodes then another two were added and finally it's come to Netflix and it's been updated there's three more fascinating crime series. Thank you very much for that I like dissecting what we've seen in the last week. Thank you very much to Ma for Media Stick, a pleasure. I'll catch you back next time. Graham Hill is back and Paul Cassidy will be in next week. We'll see you in two weeks time. See you later. Thank you very much. Uh, some of those clips that you've seen in their entirety we'll put online at radiolive.co.nz Coming up after nine o'clock Susie Wiles, the ridiculous the, the stupidness of kombucha taken to new heights. The sad case of a baby death after not getting a certain vaccine. Psychic pets, yes it is a thing And a blogger who like the last guy Was caught with his pants down It's time for news